Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the Motorator DeAndre, here with Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com. Uh, another episode of our Alistair and Edmund, Alistair and Edmunds, our uh, CarCast and Edmunds podcast. Um, I, the first episode, I think, went pretty well, although we talked mostly about what could potentially happen on your road trip with an EV. And uh, I, for part two, I think we should definitely talk about what did actually happen on your road trip for EV. I know we were like, we were doom and gloom for 40 minutes last week. And they were like, but none of that shit's going to happen. Don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. And just, just do it. It's just a road, just a road trip to Monterey, LA to Monterey. Um, yeah. How'd it go? Really badly. Do you want to, <laughs> do, do you want to run? Oh, the vacation was beautiful. We had a beautiful vacation with the family. It was interesting being up like, because I was up for car week three weeks ago and I was back actually staying at the quail lodge where the famous quail event is. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, um, it was a very different world when it's not car week. Uh, so no, it was super nice to have a, a weekend with the family, but I'd convinced my wife and everything else. Like the kids love trucks. The kids love the trucks. The kids are four and 18 months. So they're pretty small, but they just love the whole truck thing. And it was like, right, we're going to take the Rivian because it works for everything in. Great. So charged it at home, stuffed it full of electrons, and off we go. And then, of course, you're like mentally thinking about it. So, okay, we're going to get to, we're going to drive for two and a half hours. We're going to get the cars, the kids in the car at seven, set off about 7.30, drive for two and a half hours, booked into a into a cheap motel somewhere up to five, fast charger next to it, charge before we go to bed, jobs are good, and get up in the morning, complete the journey. Everyone wins. So that was the the, the, the theory. So Electrify America should have four 350 kilowatt chargers as fast as you can do at the moment, then one additional one, which was a bit slower. So we arrive at like I don't know, 20 to 11 at night, kids are sleeping in the back seat, everything's well with the world. Turn up, none of them working. None of them, not one. Yeah. So it's all right. Now what happens? So then we looked across and there's one other one, which instead of being 350 is 150. It's like, all right, we'll do that. And the problem with the Rivian is, if you look at the uh, the leaderboard uh, on on the Edmund side, it's the least efficient. The truck is actually the second least efficient vehicle we've ever tested because the Rivian R1S is now the most inefficient. So this thing needs a lot of charging. So it's like, okay, this could take a while. So we turn up at the 150 kilowatt charger, which is working. There's a guy with a Polestar plugged into it. So we sit there for a few minutes watching the guy charge his car and he says on the computer you can see on the screen you know he's 90 percent plus charged so he also says by now because the way that these vehicles charges once you get above 80 90 percent as you know Matt, it tails off so it charges much less quickly when you get when the battery's almost full so i'm looking at this and it's charging at six kilowatts and i'm like that's less than my charger at home yeah so i'm like he's getting like 20 miles an hour probably at this stage into a pole star so i'm like if that what are you doing what are you doing dude like it's like it's 20 to 11 at night what are you doing <laughs> okay but eventually i like clicked it oh, excuse me how are you doing you know tried a bit of the old charm he goes yeah i just had the car a couple of days and you know quite a lot of the charges aren't working i've noticed that it's like yeah and so you'd like charge me 100 or so you know what's the plan here because i've got two little kids yeah, in yeah. the back and they're gonna wake up any moment and my wife's getting more and more irritated and he goes, um, well, actually, we're just finishing a documentary. 
And this is the first time we've had a, without a car where we can watch like TV in the car. So anyway, my wife wants to watch the end of the documentary. So we're going to charge till the end of the documentary. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you got here first. It's kind of your right. You know, you're still charging. But I literally it's now like 10 to 11. And so we stand there for another 15 minutes. It's perfectly pleasant about it. But I didn't want to do that passive aggressive thing and just like stare at him for for 20 minutes. And listen, you could watch the documentary without plugging your car in. You're already at 90%. I get it. You're enthralled with this boring film, but you might as well just like, hey, I'm going to do you a solid. It's late at night. I see you got your truck and the kids, the family. Like, how about I? Yeah, sure. No problem. It's not like you're saying, well, yeah. you pay for it too. You're saying, you know, <laughs> how about you hang it up and you finish your documentary in the Arco parking lot or McDonald's or whatever. And then, uh, you know, let us let us try a little. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was almost at that point. You always get the point. It's like, oh, God, I'll give him 20 bucks to get, get, get to unplug. <laughs> so anyway, then this goes on for a little bit. Then the kids wake up because they're now not moving and we're sat in the truck. So the kids start screaming. So my well, wife, not unreasonably, has a bit of a sense of humor failure at this point because we've got two screaming kids. It's 10 to 11 at night. We're in the middle of like a parking lot in some massive service station off the five so eventually unplugs i plug it in so it's like a 150 charger which is actually pulling at about 70 kilowatts now bear in mind the rivian's got a 200 kilowatt hour battery so this thing's gonna we i'm like okay we need to sit here for a while so what do you mean a while i'm like mm. you know if we want to get if we want to get enough charge to then get to monterey in the morning we're going to be here for like 40 50 minutes so this isn't going to work kids are now going nuts <laughs> so it's like okay like put in like 20 odd miles and then at that point we're like Let, let's unplug we got to go to bed so we've wasted like i don't know hour and 20 minutes waiting for matey boy to finish his documentary <laughs> then we get about 20 miles of charge in the meantime i've tweeted uh electrify america you know because obviously this this makes all the difference and they send me one back that says, I'm just reading it now. Thank you for reaching out. We have looked into our site in Lost Hills, California. We can confirm that our team is aware of the concerns surrounding these charges. They are actively working to resolve this as quickly as possible. We hope to see you give us another try soon. Now, I know this social media stuff goes to like 15 committee meetings, but give us another try soon really wound me up because it's like, I don't want to give you a try. The kids are screaming. I want the, you know, I want to charge my car. So anyway, <laughs> run over. So yeah. we, we go go to bed. We go to then we go to the car park, the motel. It's like, oh, no, we've got charging in the car park. Oh great, wrong plug. So that won't work. Go to bed. Get up in the morning. Let's go and have some breakfast. Charge the car up again. Go back to the one plug that's working. Somebody's just plugged the lightning in. So I looked at the looked at the lightning charge. Thirty percent of charge. I was like, this guy's going to be this guy's going to be here for like three hours trying to charge a. Yeah, F one fifty lightning. So it's like oh, I just got to give up. So back on the road, and then it's like okay, where are we going to go now? And then you've got to like look for another charging place. So we eventually found one in Paso Robles. That was Electrify America again. This one worked. Spent an hour charging it, which because you're only limited, you're only limited to an hour, which didn't quite charge the car all the way. But anyway, got us enough. Got to the hotel. So that was a bigger charger, though. That was. That was a bigger, faster charger, but it's yeah. still it's still an hour in a Rivian, and the Rivian was hardly empty, but it's still an hour to put in like meaningful charge, and even then it wasn't to 100%. So we get to the hotel, 
and it's like, okay, they're charging at the hotel, but it's got two, like, level two charges, the sort of thing that you have at home. So, all right, two, 90 rooms. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a new pet hate, something that really wound me up all weekend, is people with plug-in hybrids that use the only car charger available in a hotel. So you've got, like, me and a and you've got, like, other EVs around us. And some guy in, like, I think it was one in an X5, one in a Volvo, so I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to leave it plugged in for like out, for about 15 hours, and I'm going to get 20 miles of charge. Yeah, and that's going to support my gas engine. It's like seriously, folks. If you've got a plug-in hybrid, and there's all these people with bevs around, there's only two chargers, and they're all, both really slow. You know, it's a bit rude. And and if you leave it in, so here's the next thing: is like leaving the car parked, and the charge is done. And you're supposed to get some kind of alert or something on your phone. Your car is done. Would you move your car or whatever? I don't know how often people move their car when that's done. Well, because well, also it was like done at three o'clock in the morning. So I'm not setting an alarm to go and go and move it. I did try and be like a, I did try and be a nice human being. And if I was charging it overnight, would then get up in the morning and un- un- unplug it. But it's also just then like, what what is extraordinary about all of this is just the stress that it brings. Like yeah. you're on a family road trip, and you're having to just build in this extra layer of complication and arguments within the car about like what we're going to do if we stop there in the middle of nowhere. If we stop here, at least we might get lunch. And then every time we went back to the hotel, it was like a little game. It was like, oh god, is there anybody on the charger? Because if there is, we're going to have to like come up with a plan B and drive back into town. And it was just a it was a far worse experience than than you kind of imagine. And it's not because there weren't enough charges. It's because you're just nervous about the reliability yeah. of them yeah. and then the kind of etiquette of using them. And you, as you know, because we talked about enough, you know, we had a Tesla for three years and, and my, my in-laws actually took the Tesla on a California road trip. And the Tesla infrastructure is just so much better. It is so much better to the point where right now if you're like serious about road tripping an ev like you need a tesla it's just it was just it was that bad so uh uh i, I was talking to a friend who just got an ev and he's had some i don't want to say debacles he's just learning the process of driving an ev but he said uh he said i have a tesla adapter i don't know some aftermarket adapter something bought off of eBay or something, right? And because his other car, his wife's car was a Tesla. So he had the charger at home. And then he got like a plug-in hybrid vehicle. And he used that adapter to charge at home his plug-in hybrid. And it seemingly worked for a for a while. And then some kind of software glitch in his vehicle, I guess, didn't like the adapter and and broke his vehicle so um his plug-in hybrid was a lincoln and i guess the lincoln with a tesla adapter off of ebay and a tesla charger in his garage broke the lincoln um it like nothing would work the doors wouldn't unlock it was it was like he had to get a tow to the dealer they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it they it was it was it was a mess and they had it for like a month but he was like hey i tried the tesla adapter with my Audi Q8 e-tron because it seemed to work. 
And I said, seem to work so far <laughs> because we don't know how many times you're going to be able to charge it. Uh, but he was saying, why can't I throw this thing in the trunk and then just try to roll up to a Tesla supercharger, you know, like whatever, like you said, throughout California or on the way to Vegas, would that work? And I don't know if you know the answer to this question. So I don't know if his home charger is like, it's just a charger and it's got a Tesla plug. But if you go to one of the superchargers, does it does it read a serial number? Does it read a VIN number? Does it know you're a Tesla? Like, does it, how do people pay for it? Is it, is he, you know, because his wife's Tesla, he would just roll up and I guess it would just charge the wife's card that's on file or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he does this this sort of electronic handshake where you plug it in and it goes, okay, this is, you know, this is Matt's Tesla. I understand what, what it's doing and, and therefore it just pulls from your credit card. There is these things like I'm seeing somebody actually applied to me on Twitter about, oh, he's using this third-party adapter to, to Tesla. I mean, these things are like super complicated. So I have a kind of natural cynicism about like third-party solutions. This is why you're seeing Ford and others do these deals where, you know, soon you'll be able to use tesla charges for real if you like um yeah i have i have reservations about a lot of third parties because this is super complicated it's not just like plugging in a plugging in your kettle or plugging in a you know a gas hose it's actually a it's a big piece of kind of software and that that's that's making it all happen so yeah it, it's it's just a it's also the other part of it is, is is tesla's just tesla like you plug it in it talks to your car it works you know, I, I came to finish, you know, I could go on, there's more, but, you know, every time you stop, it's like, oh, is this Electrify America? Okay, that's a different app to EVgo. And I couldn't get the Electrify America app to work properly, so I was using my credit card. And it's just like, it's just a lot. It seems like a lot. We haven't really figured it out yet. But the idea of these car companies, Ford, GM, going, hey, we're going to, new cars in whatever, 24 or 25 are going to be, tesla supercharger compatible but if i read it correctly if i remember whatever the press release was they were also saying if if you don't get a 2025 ford ev and you still have a ford lightning there will be an adapter that ford's going to sell and i guess it does that handshake that you're talking about or i wonder if if you know like my friend's you know, aftermarket adapter is is going to work. I don't know that he's tried it yet. He's a, he's only got the vehicle for like a week and a half. Yeah, uh, you'd hope I don't know if anybody else has tried it. If anybody's tried it, let me know if you've tried it. Like, yeah, I'd a, like to hear more about that as well. And and send us a yeah. I mean, you like to think that Ford could sort that out because otherwise your residuals on your truck are going to be rubbish because everybody's going to want the twenty five. Right. Right. So you'd, you'd but, think they have to fix and, that. And it seems like Ford would be like, okay, we have an adapter, right? We got a little, we, yeah. got, a, we got a pigtail that's going to work. It's two foot long and it's got a box on it or something. And it's, and, and it, it does the handshake for you and it figures it all out and it's going to be fine. Or we're going to do some over the air update to everybody's Mach-E and Lightning and the handshake's going to be compatible and it's going to, it's going to work, you know, with some kind of plug or whatever. Uh, you're right. Because what what would be the resale after that? Like if I, I have a lightning and if if I can't use the Tesla chargers when they're available and I get it, I got to pay for it and whatever. But then what's going to happen to my 
truck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, and I'm the other curious. thing about the Tesla, the other thing about Tesla charge at the moment is they're actually in pretty decent locations. One of the things felt like I went into Monterey and we went to the aquarium there, which is great, by the way. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna be here a few hours. I'm gonna like top it up. So the onboard computer says, go to this hotel. There's a charge point thing. Fine. 60 bucks to get into the hotel car park. And I was like, is this included if like I pay for the charger? And he's like, yeah, yeah, 60 bucks just buys you like the slot in the hotel. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure that there'll be a charger spare. Right. All right. So script that. So the other one, it says, go here. So drive around the corner. This is in a council building, but it's Sunday. So the gate, there's a gate locked. So you can't like physically get to it. So there's yes. no no charge in Monterey that I can use. This is all the use. stuff we talked about last week. I was like, what if you go to a hotel and you're not staying there? You have to pay. Or what if you go to an office building and the gates closed because your app told you it was in there? This is exactly what we talked about last week. Now you're feeling my pain. <laughs> and it's, it's, I know like Jim Farley, Ford CEO, went out on the road in a lightning and had a similar experience. And, and to his credit, came out and spoke about how bad it had been. And didn't try and sugarcoat it too much. And, you know, it's the same thing. It was like big, big fans of EVs. I think the Rivian's a great vehicle, really enjoyed it. Um, but just so much hassle. And then coming back to complete the story. Sorry if I'm going off on one a bit. So we get the car charged at the hotel. It's like, okay, we've now pretty much got this figured out. We know that one works in Paso Robles because we've been there. So we'll drive back there. We'll stop. We'll have lunch. And we'll charge it, and then we should get back to South Bay, LA. So we drive, we pull up, it's working, happy days. Off we go for lunch. Restaurant's a bit slow. Kids need a pee. Kids need to run around the park. Kids faff around a little bit. So anyway, I'm like, I think I was like 25 minutes over like my allotted hour. So I get back, and when I'd left in my defense i think there were five charges and three others were empty so i was like okay i'm not going to stress it too much so i get back and and unplug and somebody gives me like a dirty look from one of the other charges i was like that's not a good sign and then i find this little red piece of paper on the dashboard it says hey i sat here for 20 minutes waiting for you please think of others next time no other charges were available now i have to drive to atlas cadero wherever that is I hope this doesn't happen to you. And you know what? I felt really guilty. Yeah, <laughs> like, that I'm one's like, on you. That one's I'm on like, you because that's literally what happened with 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 you on the way up with the guy with the with the pole star. And he's like, "I'm going to finish my documentary so you could watch us watch a documentary." <laughs> I just felt like such an asshole. I was like, "Well, you know," and the guy was nervous. I can say, "Well, you know, the kids had a pee and the restaurant was a bit slow and they didn't bring the check on time because that was the reality." It wasn't like I was trying to. I wanted to get back on the road and get home. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, it here's, was rubbish. Here's the deal. We've got charger anxiety. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and now we're, we're still figuring out charger etiquette, right? There's no real rule on it. There's yeah. no kicking you off. Like I, at some point, assuming you can even get a car close enough to a car that's charging. If it was like, Hey, it charges for an hour. Then after an hour, it unlocks the charger and makes it able to, for you to pull the plug out. It shuts it, you know, yeah, that's a good it, idea. Shuts so it down, then... wraps up the billing, and then you can get in the slot next to it, which is probably usually a broken charger. Excuse me. And you could unplug it from the car that's done 
And I get it. That guy, you know, had an upset stomach. He needs 10 more minutes in the, in the, in the restaurant. (laughs) I was like, I was like, like, I literally like, you know, kid, kid number one needed a pee. It's like, that's a big, that's a big process. That's like, she's four. That's a 10 minute process. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, and then we drove home, stick called it another mile. And then it was like, all the all the Tesla supercharger there, and it was like a level two charger that took forever, and it was just a it's a miserable. And, and like we talked about last week, you know, it's not the product that the Rivian was great. Yes, the Rivian's a big truck and it's too heavy and it uses loads of juice. So you can say, all right, the problem is compounded in the Rivian because it takes so long to charge it because it's just got such a big battery and it burns through electricity really quickly. So it's an extreme example, but it wouldn't have made that much difference if we'd been in, you know, an SUV or something. It's just, it's just such a hassle. And unfortunately, like we are in that place in my household where we're like the classic EV owner at the moment because we have one EV, which is like my wife's car, and that's kind of our LA car. And then normally if we road trip, you know, fortunately with the job that I have, you know, we have access to different vehicles and we take a gas for plug-in hybrid or something. And it's it's just not good enough. And it's I think it's finally, the industry has finally woken up too late to the idea that this is not a product solution. This is an infrastructure solution. We can't just have vehicles with like massive batteries that they're going to do five, six hundred miles. It just, it's not practical. It's not cost effective. So sort the um, sort the infrastructure out. Like you're 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 braver than I am. We went up to Monterey, and you know, uh, uh, Adam Crollo. We rolled up. He's like, "Yeah, do we want to take an EV? You know, what can we get? What can we try? It's a good story." And I was like, "I'm not doing that." I was like, "We're gonna get a Toyota Sienna minivan, <laughs> and uh, it's all-wheel drive hybrid. It gets 40 miles to the gallon." And it has 475 miles of range on a tank of gas. We'll just drive straight to Monterey. We'll drive around for a week. We'll fill up before we leave town. And when I get back to LA, I'll still have a hundred miles of range left on my tank of fuel. Like we, and it was totally the right decision, by the way, your next Monterey trip, just go minivan, just go full uh, minivan uh, or something. <laughs> well, well, as you know, I went to car week in a, in a Range Rover. And I drove back, admittedly without the family, but I drove back on my own, one hit, like five and a half hours, full tank of gas, arrived, as you say, with like 150 miles left, had a little massage in the seat along the way. It was beautiful. So, yeah. This was totally on you. If you were going to go yourself to Monterey for a car week, you should have taken the Rivian and then saved the Range Rover for the family trip. My um, my <laughs> wife said to me at one point, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night, and the 18 month old was now screaming and the four and a half year old had woken up as a result. And I said, you think this is a good story, isn't it? You're loving this for the story. You know, you're going to go on the podcast and talk about this. And I was like, um, no, right now it's 11 o'clock at night. I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to bed. I'll worry about this later. Although yeah. at some point I could tell you were frustrated. I, I, I texted and I was like, Hey, how's it going? I'm just curious. You were just like terrible. And I don't even know if I responded. <laughs> I was just like, it was one word. I was like, that's enough. That's enough. That's all I needed to hear. I it was it was gonna be hit or miss. But all right. So charging debacle aside, how was the Rivian? 
The Rivian's great. I mean, it's funny, like where I live in, well, where you live as well, Matt, around LA, you're starting to see more and more R1Ts, particularly R1Ss. And I think the R1S is the SUV, the three-row SUV. And somebody from Rivian, actually, I bumped into Carl Week, and he told me that I think they're now selling 80% SUV, 20% truck, which I don't think is good for their bottom line. I think there's more margin in the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the SUV has been a big success for it. It's a bit like it was a little bit like our Lucid uh, originally that, you know, these things were launched quite early in the development cycle and then they're trying to throw stuff at it. So they, since we bought it, and we've done 17,000 miles now. They constantly up, updated it. And I mean, both the software and the hardware. So it went in last week and they did some underbody cladding. They're going to replace the it has this like electric cargo cover over the rear rear bed. And apparently they did it with one motor at one side, but that's proving problematic. So they're going to replace it with a two-motor system. So that's going to be replaced. The hatch for the gear tunnel, which is this cool thing where you can like slide to like golf clubs or something in yeah. behind the, the, the receipt. Those are really hit and miss on our vehicle. They're going to replace those. And all of this will be done for free. And basically somebody comes, picks the car up, drives it away, brings it back. So it's costing Rivian a ton of money, but it's not costing us anything. So we've got the launch edition truck. So right at the beginning of the process. So it's got better and better, as has our Lucid. The only thing I would say is that I think Rivian were further along the journey to start with than Lucid wasn't. So we've had a lot less problems with the Rivian than we have with the Lucid. And I don't think there's ever been an occasion where we worried about the Rivian letting us down. Um, and I really like it. I like it more and more the more time I, more time I spend with it. It's a really nice size of truck. So it's kind of like, a bit bigger than a midsize, but not full size. Yeah, it's got tons of cargo capacity because you've got a frunk in the at the front. You've got this weird gear tunnel, which is perfectly big enough for gear for golf clubs. That's kind of just below where the the rear seat is. Then you've got a decent bed, and you've even got like a hatch under the bed where you could fit a spare tire, but most people wouldn't bother. So it's super practical, and for like a, a family vehicle, we'd love it. Like. Because of it, there's not masses of room inside. It's not like F-150 big inside, but it's just a nice thing. And, of course, it's really fast. It's comfortable. The ride quality is still a bit truck-like. Um, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a really good thing. And, you know, I would – if I had the money and was in the market, I think, you know, I would, I would be seriously tempted by one. Um, and I think now, you know, a year or two into its lifespan, it's, you know, it's in a better place. And the – the SUV, by the way, uh, sharp looking vehicle. I think it. I think yeah. it's good, uh, and I'm seeing more and more of them around here. Especially, you know, where I am in the Venice area, they've got an office over here, Rivian. So, you know, they're they're constantly like doing drives, or I don't know, some sort of design study, or having people come by, or whatever. It's not a dealer. It's it's a I don't know, some sort of admin office or design facility. Well, they have a dealer. Something. Yeah, they have a dealer. I mean, they've got, well, it's not a dealer yeah. because they're direct like Tesla, the direct to market. So I think you can go and buy one from them. And this is, yeah. the, this is the, this is also that Tesla experience thing that, you know, you're not really dealing with dealers. You buy it online and then, you know, it gets delivered or you pick it up at one of these kind of experiential places. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is too. Maybe that's, you know, like a, a, a delivery location or something like that yeah. so if you want to sit down and get the experience get to walk through the vehicle and not have it come yeah. to your house you want to do like whatever so we see quite By a few merch. of them yeah and i th- this morning on my way on my way here to to work you know i 
I passed by one and I was like, yeah, it's good. It's a good looking vehicle. And I haven't really gotten time to crawl around the SUV. Like I, 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 a guy I know has the truck. He brought the truck over. You know, uh, we got to crawl around it. And you're right, smaller than my my F one fifty Lightning, but you know everything looked good. It's a good size. And uh, but the SUV looks interesting to me. It's definitely on my radar. It's like maybe I want to get something a little bit smaller, but stick with EV for now. And and the Rivian. I mean, there's like you said, there's still some some issues and uh, being the least efficient <laughs> SUV or uh, EV out there is. It's kind of a, a thought. It's like, what's it going to cost to to own it and charge it? And, um, but uh, it's it's good. It's sharp, you know. But we're getting more competition, you know. Anything from Mercedes to Kia, Mustang Mach E, and and so the times are times are kind of changing as far as what options are going to be available out there. Nothing's really yeah. leapfrogging anyone. Uh, this this Mercedes concept sedan oh the cla looks really cute doesn't it i think yeah. really interesting um and... i think two two big concepts came out that and the bmw neuer class which is the first bmw in a long time i've looked at and thought looks really cool i, I which saw is that kind of too. like a hint of the new three series it's interesting because kind of the profile and that um that that rear glass and everything has little dots in 510 going on it it's got a little little japanese sedan kind of look to it uh and i was like oh that's interesting it's it's not like a big hatchback or a huge swoop and and whatever it just looked more i don't know coupe ish than anything uh and mercedes cla they were saying hey this is an interesting study for us because you know we think we can get to 400 plus mile range by being efficient like it's sort of the opposite of what you were talking about they're saying you know lighter weight and rolling resistance and aerodynamics and 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 all of these things plus combined with software and hardware like we think with these all things being equal sort of battery size being equal to a competitor they think they can get more range out of just making a overall more efficient maybe lighter more aerodynamic vehicle Yes, which is kind of Lucid's argument as well. And, you know, the Lucid is a, a prime example of that. Super, you know, it's actually much more efficient. It's got, you know, great aerodynamics. There's a lot of really cool engineering uh, that's gone into it. But then the reason it has such a massive range is because A, it's a sedan, and not many people want sedans anymore because it doesn't fit with the lifestyle. And B, it's on skinny, low rolling resistance tires. So when we did the Edmunds U-Drags and used those tires, everybody at Lucid went mad at us and said, like, why do you run it on like 19 inch, you know, all season tires? It's like, well, because that's the tires it came with. And if you want big range, you can run it on like skinny little tires. And if you get into our Lucid and you choose like full bore acceleration mode, I can't remember it's called track, I can't remember exactly what it's called. And he basically says, you know, are you like a, are you a good driver? Well, clearly. So you accept <laughs> that. And then it's like, and, and then he says, says are yes. you, yeah, are you running on summer tires? Uh, no. So you can say yes anyway. And now you've got 800 horsepower on these like skinny little all season tires, but you need that for the range. So it's like, you can't have both. So Mercedes saying is like, we're going to do this really efficient little sedan on low rolling resistance tires and it'll go a long way. Great. But then that'll compromise, you know, the grip and the handling and the practicality because it's a little sad. So, yeah, there's no there's no easy win. But 
or you go down the Rivian route and just like or the Ford Lightning route and just smack in as big a battery as you can, which is super costly, super heavy, and takes takes forever to charge and costs a load of money. So it's um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Right, there's there's it gets more difficult to you know to have all of the incredible performance with the range and and the 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 big bragging rights with EVs for the past several years has been performance because everyone's like hey we're 250 to 300 mile range and now it's like who's the fastest coolest vehicle for 250 to 300 mile range and now that we're kind of over that or the manufacturers still have that vehicle in their lineup. Now they're saying things like CLA going, well, what if you don't want the fastest vehicle? What if our EVs were zero to 60 in 5.2 seconds, which is still quick, by the way. They're going, hey, if you could do it in 5.2 seconds, what does that mean for the range and the type of vehicle? So they're saying, well, first of all, we're going to do it with, I don't know, a CLA, a small sedan or something to that effect and go, this isn't the sportiest vehicle to begin with. This is just a nice four-seater, mid-size, you know, maybe smallish sedan. Yeah. And a nice thing. You know, and and the concept is sharp looking. It's it's cool. It's uh and go, well, if you're fine with zero to sixty in five point something seconds, and you're fine with a small sedan that sits low to the ground and is more aerodynamic. Yeah, we can get you 400 miles of range. You know, you're you're not going to win the U drags, <laughs> uh, but you're going to get to your hotel with your family, and your marriage might be in a better place when you get there. Yeah, and on the way back from the U drag event, you're going to keep going and get home, and everyone else yeah. is going to have to stop and charge. <laughs> and somebody's not going to write you a red letter on on red paper calling <laughs> <Yeah>. you muscle. <laughs> it's. Yeah, but it comes full circle, what we're talking about. Like, if the infrastructure's there, it's not a problem. I mean, but there's nothing new in all of this. I mean, I remember, like, having a, you, you and I both know Ian Callan, who was the chief designer at Jaguar for many years. And, you know, I went to him, and, you know, they'd made a conscious decision that, you know, if they wanted to, they were going to make their cars look beautiful. And, yeah, aerodynamics was important. But if you want to make it fuel efficient, then it wouldn't look like a Jaguar anymore. So you've got to get the you got to get the balance right and same with evs like if you really want to be efficient you're going to have those like sort of low profile you're going to have skinny tires and you're going to have those like aero wheel covers you're not going to have like cool looking alloys yeah, and so yeah you know it's all a it's it's all a balance but yeah i think that the, the the mentality is shifting now to okay like cars are going to go to two to two two fifty to three fifty miles how do we make it more efficient uh, but then it all comes full circle to what we started with is fix the infrastructure. And I think everybody's woken up to that now, but it's going to take a, it's going to take a few years. I mean, right now, and it's weird because, you know, as a, as a business Edmonds, we're, we're testing EVs all the time and usually supportive of it. I really do believe in them. But right now, if it was like my only car, there's no way I'd buy an EV if I was traveling longer distances. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned Jaguar. What happened to the I-Pace? That's never in the conversation. Now, the I-Pace was a weird kind that it was like, it was kind of like, felt like a big opportunity at the time. Tesla was breaking through. They were quite early to market for the for the first time in, you know, in history. And then, and I don't know, like, I think in the US, there wasn't a lot of marketing money behind it. And, you know, then it quickly got overtaken myself. And also, it's just too expensive. I remember I wanted to look at leasing one when I bought, when I got the Model 3 in. 
it's just too much money. It's a shame because actually it was a good car. Well, it still is a good car. You can still buy one. But but now they're used and they're thirty five grand. Yeah, and actually that might be quite a nice thing at thirty five grand, forty grand. You know, forty grand. Yeah, you know, they, that, that would I, actually be a nice. That'd be a nice, the range isn't so big, uh, right. but do it's they, actually do they you know work. I don't know yeah, if they work. <laughs> I mean, do they just stop on the middle of the road? Because no, they've been. I not heard too many. They've been pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's good looking and it's a good size and it's it, a good size. It's good looking. I also think probably. In hindsight, what they needed was like an SUV, something that looked a bit more like the Model Y, whereas the I-Pace is a kind of hybrid of like a hatchback. And I don't know. It was a weird kind. Also, like what was also weird about that whole thing is they never did a Land Rover version or anything. So it was like they put all that money into a Jaguar and they never did a, you know, they could have easily spun off a, a Land Rover version, but never did. Yeah. Uh yeah, why not a Land Rover version? I mean, if you're going to do sort of this SUV-ish type of hatchback vehicle, why not Land Rover instead of Jaguar? Why not do sedan I think at the time, everybody was obsessing about off-road capability, and they were going to do a Land Rover that didn't have a lot of off-road capability. But, right. yeah. Okay, so then they're saying, but SUVs sell here, so let's come up with yeah Jaguar version of it yeah um it's it's funny it seems like it's was one of the early vehicles out and i drove one and had a good time in it and and never heard of it again and it's still out they're still selling it i don't know what kind of changes or revisions have been made or if it's just long in the tooth at this point have they made it more reliable it doesn't seem like i think it's just long it's long in it's long in the tooth at the moment, yeah. which is a shame. You know, I think I think well, also that's dying in the same way that the I Pace is dying in the same way that all the Jaguar ranges, and then Jaguar will be back with a new EV, which will be much more market. So that's maybe we talk about this on another show. There's there's more. There's a lot to come from Jaguar, and they've just they basically said, okay, what we've got at the moment isn't working. You know, having a kind of German copycat lineup isn't working. The I Pace, as you say, is anonymous, so they're just killing off everything that they have and then they will relaunch with a what i believe is going to be a really striking interesting ev at a high price point so it's going to be a really interesting like a luxury sedan like a full-size luxury yeah big luxury yeah something that's going to be like really probably maybe it'll even be polarizing but it it's a it's a bold strategy and you know it'll be interesting to see what they come up with right it's now all under the it's all under the auspices of uh, Jeremy McGovern, who is the chief designer of, 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 of Land Rover. So the guy who's done, or who's done, but the guy who's like led the team that's done the Range Rover and Range Rover Sport and everything else is now looking after Jaguar as well. So a big change is there. Um, okay. So listen, before we wrap up, uh, I am going to head out to the Detroit Auto Show. I don't even know if that's what it's called anymore. But um, my first time going to Detroit Auto Show, I don't know why, probably because That's it's crazy. Detroit. And um, uh, I'm expecting a, a, a Ford F-150, new F-150, or I don't know, some sort of mid-cycle refresh to an F-150. Uh, I'm not necessarily expecting a new Lightning yet. Um, I think that's another year out. I'm not sure what their announcement is going to be. Um, but I don't know. should be a kind of kind of interesting i'm sure there's going to be more stuff happening up there and uh i know 
the last year or two when we talked to you um you weren't super enthusiastic about a Detroit Auto <laughs> Show. It's kind of a ghost town. <laughs> well, I'm like super. In, I mean, I remember the glory days where like everybody was there. It was freezing cold. It was beginning of January. And I, you know, even when I lived in the UK, I used to travel out to it. And it was this ritual start of the year. I, I mean, I think like the big three up there are going to, you know, are going to, uh, you know, at least pay lip service. I know Ford's got some news to say. And so, I'm not going personally, but I have got members of the Edmonds team up there, so we will be. Uh, we will have, you know, some of our news team are going up. Um, I unfortunately had a clashing commitment. It, I hope it works. Like, like you know, Detroit needs an auto show. So, I just last year was a bit of a shambles because Joe Biden turned up and they kicked all the press out for four hours. So we turned up for press day. And I got up at four a.m., arrived at ten a.m., so had to fly in, and then they kicked us all out for Joe Biden. None of that's happening last year. So that, last year was a bit of a debacle on so many levels. You know, I kind of feel like this might be a last chance saloon. I hope it works, and you know, let's see. I think LA is going to be decent in November as auto shows go, and then you know, then we'll start again. There's yeah. also a Geneva Motor Show coming up in Qatar, which is a bit weird. Why is it called the Geneva Motor Show if it's in Qatar? The Geneva kind of auto show sort of like went down and then it got reimbursed. It's a weird world out there. <laughs> it's all changed, my friend. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess uh, you have a good trip on your adventure and I'll try to do the same and we'll we'll get together next week and see uh, what what's happened in the world in the, in the past well, week. And, and I'll start, I might have calmed down by then. Yeah, maybe the, I don't know. I saw your wife in the background. She's probably giving you the finger. <laughs> I don't think she's. Um, yeah, I don't think she's. Uh, yeah, but no. I mean, it was fun. It was still a fun family vacation, but it was um, difficult. Yeah. So the kids like e uh, like trucks. They're they're a little iffy on EV. They're like, Dad, why do, why do you keep stopping and plugging yeah. this thing in? Yeah. Why do we stop? Why do we stop where there isn't a playground? Yeah, right. If you're going to stop, stop like someplace fun where we want to go and not so we can watch exactly. some guy at a Polestar watch a documentary <laughs> that we can't even watch. We got to peek through his time. window to watch it. <laughs> um, all right, uh, guys, thanks so much. And uh, until next week, um, you know, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.